Hi, and welcome to DaVita Leadership Insights, a weekly podcast for DaVita teammates who want to become a better leader, both personally and professionally. I'm Doug Miller, a master coach and DaVita University faculty member. And I'm Grace Berman, a senior director with DaVita University. Today, we're trying a bit of a different format for our interview. We have two separate interviews, so we can hear two different personal stories on transitioning from bud to boss within the same team. For the first half of this episode, we will chat with Patty Monaco, a facility administrator leading a dialysis center in Carmel, New York, from her home base there. And in the second half of this episode, we will hear from Michael Critchgau, a senior director at DaVita Clinical Research from his home base in Chicago. Welcome, Patty. Thank you. Hey, Patty. Hey. Thanks for being on the show today. I am so excited to hear about your story of transitioning from an administrative assistant to an assistant facility administrator and then to a facility administrator all within the same dialysis center. Wow. Yeah, really, right? That's impressive. And I'd love to hear what it was like for you when you were promoted to leading the entire team after previously serving as their peer. What was that like? Well, I would say that the team, they welcomed me and they were happy that I was promoted. Um, I had I had filled in as an F.A., um, well, supported an F.A. when they weren't there. So they weren't totally um, not used to me being in a leadership um, role, um, but not formal. So I was still a peer. Um, so I would say that it, it was, it was fine. It was fine in the beginning. Everybody was happy until, you know, you have to become a boss. So, ah, so say more about that. You said at the beginning, everyone was happy until, can you share more about that until time? Well, I would say it was probably between three and six months, not a long time. Um, you know, the honeymoon period, that was about it. And then when you have to start, um, changing, uh, how the conversations are, and it, it's not friends' conversation. It's more of a boss. It, it's it's different. Yeah. Can you can you describe one of those moments where it kind of uh, it solidified that the honeymoon uh, period was over? Yeah. It was it was about uh, it was a scheduling conversation, uh, mm. not not performance. Uh, teammate was fine, uh, and they they wanted a certain schedule certain days to be permanent days, week over week, month over month. And it just wasn't something that I was going to be able to do. So it was difficult to have that conversation because they were depending on me to uh, make that happen. And it it couldn't happen. Yeah. And how did your teammate take that decision? Um, Well, I don't, Initially, they didn't take it well. I mean, come on. They didn't take it well. Uh, But after several conversations, uh, they understood why it couldn't happen. Um, And I would I would just continually check in with them. I would see how how they felt about it. I would explain uh, why it couldn't happen um, and try to work through the things that I could do for them um, to make uh, some kind of concession so that we could work together. Um, it worked out in the end. It was given a take, but it's it's not always easy. Yeah, and how did how did how did you feel leading up and during that uh, that conversation? Anxious. I was anxious yeah. because these are people that I 
worked with for years. And, and now I'm telling something that they figured, well, it was a shoe in that since they had mm. worked in with me for so long that I would just be able to just make it happen. And it was not it was not the right uh, course of action for the facility. And so now that's my job to make sure that the facility is uh, run appropriately and and staffed adequately. And so um, it, it, it was difficult. It was difficult to, to have them understand that I was in a different position now um, and things had changed. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point that maybe sometimes people don't realize happens in that transition from an, being an individual contributor to being the leader of, of an entire team or an entire center where you have to think beyond just what's good for that individual and how to make that individual, you know, meet that individual's needs, that you have a much greater responsibility to make sure that that everyone's uh, needs are met, that our patients' needs are met. And it can be tough for someone who's really looking only at, you know, what's what's right in front of them and what immediately they think is an easy fix. And you have a lot more to think about. So can you share a little bit more about in that particular teammate? And thank you for sharing this story. How did that change your relationship with that teammate who you had, I think you had mentioned you, uh, you, you were friends with? Yes, we were friends. And uh, it makes it harder because they're, they're depending on you figuring you're a friend again and you, accommodate, you can accommodate the, the request. And listen, it, just, it changes the relationship. It's, it's not the same anymore. Um, but you begin, you begin to only spend time um, at work. There's not outside time anymore. Um, and so unless it's a facility-wide outing, those, those outside uh, relationships change because you, you, they just – I wasn't able to do it. Yeah, and, and how was that for, for you, Patty? What, what, how did you feel about losing that part of your friendship with this person? So I was sad. Um, I, I can't be perceived um, that certain people, you can't give the perception that certain people get favors. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had to digest and, and adjust over a couple of days and look, look over positive and, and negatives and move on. Um, outlined, I mean, there's reasons why you just, you, you can't do it. And so you hope that you can still remain friends. But of course, you realize that the relationship has changed and that you'll still be friendly at work, but, you know, you, you just can't have the outside relationships. You ask about family, but you're just not as involved. Um, it just changes. Um, there's decisions have to be made and you have to make them for the facility wide. Um, it, it, it can't be individualized. Yeah. Yeah, I totally understand. And and then how do you still build relationships and friendships? I know it's a little bit different than when you were just their peer, right? And now you have more responsibilities. How um, do you still build those on the team while holding yourself accountable to being the boss, making the decisions for the team and being that leader? Well, I talk to my teammates all the time. Um, I go out on the clinical floor. I always ask about how the families are doing. How's their days? How's the children, the husband, um, grandchildren in some uh, some cases like mine? I'm now now grandmother. Um, yeah, constant congratulations, congratulations. Oh. James. You owe me a coke. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like such a big uh, word, actually. Um, yeah. co- you know, constant conversations, and 
honestly, for the most part, um, my teammates, they, they like sharing information about their families and, and, um, outings that they have outside of work. Um, so I think by having those open relationships and the conversations, um, you still have a very good relationship with your teammates. I mean, I have an open door policy. My, I could somehow in my very small office have three or four people in here, um, going over, um, whatever could be the problem for the day or just sharing something that they had done over the weekend or something that's coming up. So, um, it's, it's, it changes, but it still can be very, very good relationships with your with your teammates. Yeah, I think that if I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds like the level of caring is still there. It's just a little bit different, and yeah. it's not um, it's not going to mean that these people uh, get any special treatment um, different from other people on your team. So. Um, but, but I hear the caring is still, still there. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. The caring is definitely still there. It's a balance. Well, Patty, we are at that time in the episode. We end all of our episodes with asking our guests to share one practical tip that they would ask our listeners to try right away. If they are currently transitioning from bud to boss, or maybe would like to prepare themselves for that move in the future, what would be your one tip? I would say listen first and get the whole story before making a decision. Uh, get both sides before jumping to conclusions. Um, and always look at the two sides. There's always two sides to a story. Um, I, I would say that that's, uh, that's the best way is to get both sides of the story and then make a decision as to what direction you need to go in. Excellent. Thank you so much, Patty. It's such a delight to speak with you today. Really appreciate everything you do for your team and for our village. Thanks, Patty. Thank you. All right, Doug. Now it is time for us to pivot to our second guest of this episode, Michael Critchgow, a senior director at DaVita Clinical Research. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you. Welcome, Michael. So glad that uh, that you're able to join us today and have a chat. I understand you've had quite a few times in your career where you've transitioned from bud to boss of the same team. What was that like for you to be promoted to leading a team after previously serving as a peer or an equal in responsibilities? I was nervous about the fact that I was now going to have to do performance reviews for mm. for mm-hmm. for people that were uh, previously my coworkers. Um, but because I had the relationship with them, it, it was much more, um, that I had that responsibility while they had other responsibilities. Um, and the, the transition of me being able to influence them and talk to them about ways that they could improve their skills felt very natural. Um, it felt like I had assumed that role in that team before I was even given that manager responsibility. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how often I think that may end up happening, that the informal leader of, of a group or a team 
um, you know, is, is seen as, as having that potential to be a leader and is put in that role. You know, you mentioned that you were nervous um, about that, how it might change the relationships with your peers and, and your friends. Did, did it change? And if so, how did it change? I don't really think, <clears throat> I don't think it really changed significantly. You know, as I mentioned, I had a personal relationship with these people for a period of seven years before I took over managing them. So I knew their families, I knew uh, their likes and their dislikes, um, I knew um, we were friends. Um, and, and I think that that's been my career path all the way through, is that I do end up having the responsibility of managing friends and being able to work with them in the same way that I've worked with them before, just with different manager responsibilities, of course. There are things that happen within a company and things that you're privy to that they may not be privy to that that you're unable to share with the team as a whole. But I think because we had established that relationship, they knew that as well. They knew that was going to happen. What I'm really struck with right now, Grace and and Michael, is that um, over and over in this podcast, it seems like it all comes back to the depth of the relationship you have with the people that you're, you're wanting to lead and the amount of trust that you have built with them and what that then gives you the opportunity to do. It just sounds like again and again, that comes back to be a foundational concept. So I really appreciate what you're saying, Michael, but also pivot here and tell us what was one of the hardest things that you had to do as a boss managing people that you consider to be your friends. Um, I remember specifically one one time when I had to terminate somebody who I had a personal relationship with that person for 10 years and it was now my responsibility to let them go there was no other Mm. place for them within the organization and I remember how anguished I was about having to do that to have that actual meeting with that person um I had sleepless nights and I remember the act I can see the office that we were sitting in and she came in and she could tell just from the look on my face what was going on she knew Mm. and the first thing she did was give me a hug and say that it was going to be all right um and I'll never forget that and it was because I had that personal relation it was because we were friends that she was able to understand that there are certain things that are uncomfortable and unpleasant to do that I have to do as a manager. And uh, she was able to actually put me at ease. Yeah. It's much yeah. more of a, it, it, that, that, that process is not a transaction. It's a real life moment. Absolutely. Human beings being human beings with each other. Um, that's what, that's what uh, part of, part of what leadership is all about. Unfortunately, Michael, we're at that time in our episode um, where we need to start coming to completion, but we end all of our episodes by asking our guests to share one practical tip um, that they could go out and try right away um, to, to, to take something from the episode and put it to use in their life. So if they're currently considering a transition from bud to boss or would like to prepare themselves for the, that move in the future, what would be your one tip? You know, I would say make it a point to have that personal interaction with your teammates whenever you come into contact. I have a weekly meeting, and I know this is a also a DeVita way, but we have a check-in question uh, every mm-hmm. time at, at the beginning of that meeting. Uh, it's just a question. The last question was, um, 
whitewater rafting, skydiving, swimming with sharks. Have you or would you? And <laughs> you know, it can take up it can take it can take up a third of the phone call. But what it does is it gets people engaged, and it does establish that personal relationship that that you've got something more that you've got going on with that employee other than just a boss and employee relationship, a boss and teammate relationship. Yes, yes, and no. <laughs> just saying. <Wow>. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do triple no's on those. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, well, thank you so much, Michael, for the tip. Really appreciate you being on the show today and sharing your wisdom. Thank you Thanks, so much. Michael. That was so cool to hear two different perspectives and journeys on Bud to Boss. It sure was. And I loved their tips at the end. Patty's tip was to get the whole story and listen to both sides, meaning you can't play favorites as a leader, right? No, that doesn't work. And Michael's tip was to make it a point to have a personal interaction every time you come in contact with your teammates goes back to how important building trust in relationships are. Yeah, and it doesn't take a ton of time. Yeah, they're great tips. And speaking of tips, Grace, it's my turn to follow up on the tip from our last episode with Kapil around managing conflict. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, how did that Are you go? ready? I am. Are you ready Let's for go. what I did? I applied this. <laughs> I While sitting in the passenger seat of my car. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I know where this is going. So I, um, I'm teaching my 16-year-old son how to drive. And, you know, there's a lot of things that need to occur in, and potential conflict. And so I just needed to sit in the heat for a minute before I spoke up. Hopefully and it was figurative heat. It was was very figurative heat. Yeah, the car was not on fire. (laughs) (laughs) We were not crashing into anything. It sounds really frightening. But it's all those little things like the blinker. Did he really look? At any rate, yeah, you get the point. There's there's a lot of uh, anxiety in teaching someone to drive. and, And I had to sit in that before reacting. And did you find your... Was that easy for you or did you really struggle it was, with that? No, it was a struggle. Yeah. I had to really bring intentionality to that moment and not say anything and not over direct and not raise my voice. Yeah. 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 Did you imagine um, a teenage Kapil sitting next to you? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I didn't. No, I didn't. But <laughs> Maybe that'll help the next time. Awesome. Do that. I appreciate that. <laughs> Well, thanks for sharing, Doug. And for our listeners, we would love to hear your stories and tips as well. Please check out our show notes and click on the listener mail link to find out more about submitting your stories and tips in writing or through a voice message. And if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, please click that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And if you enjoy these podcasts, please rate us on iTunes or click on the survey link in our show notes so that we know how we're doing and uh and then we'll see you next week one for all all for one